Good afternoon, everybody. This is Lloyd Carter. You're listening to Down in the Valley. We air on the second Friday of each month at 3 o'clock. Mark your calendars. we got a full show today. There's a lot going on in the water world, but I want to start by wishing a happy birthday to my good friend, Walt Schubin. Walt's 77 years old today. He's the rarest of creatures. He's a farmer who's a full-blown environmentalist. He's been advocating restoration of the San Joaquin River long before it was ever popular and uh, God willing he'll get to see that river flow to the delta once again many more happy years Walt well two weeks ago today federal judge Oliver Wanger issued a ruling that has sent a shock wave through the hydraulic brotherhood in California the judge said he was required to follow the law and that the federal pumps up in the delta had to slow down their pumping because they were devastating the delta smelt a small fish up in the delta that's an essential part of the food chain up there. His ruling followed on the heels of uh, a similar uh, case involving the state pumps in which the state was ordered to slow down pumping. So this has really ratcheted up the effort on behalf of both the governor, the Farm Bureau, and Southern California Water Development Interest for a new bond measure Several billion more dollars are going to be spent, maybe, in the next few years. The governor is pushing his own $5.9 billion bond measure, uh, and the legislature has a counterproposal of about $5 billion. There are some significant differences, and of course the governor has called the legislature into special session. He wants to get a measure on the February ballot, the primary ballot next year, and the governor's plan calls for two new dams, uh, one in the Sacramento Valley and one right here on the San Joaquin River, a few miles above Millerton Dam, uh, Friant Dam, I should say, on Millerton Lake, a place called Temperance Flat. Highly controversial programs. The legislature's proposal is for local governments to uh, spend uh, the bond money in different ways than large dams, water conservation measures, groundwater banking, storage programs, uh, but more local control and less massive dams. Uh, the large dam projects are almost universally opposed by the environmental community in California, and this will be a hot and heavy uh, issue in the legislature during this special session. If they don't hammer out a deal uh, in the next couple of weeks, it's unlikely that uh, anything will be placed upon the February ballot by the legislature, in which case the water development interests have vowed to take an initiative to the people and get it on uh, the November ballot next year uh, during the presidential election. Now, the Association Cal of California Water Agencies, which is called ACWA, is spearheading a campaign uh, to, quote, educate the voters in the next few months, they're going to spend somewhere between 5 and $9 million on radio and TV and newspaper ads. And they have a website, which I encourage you to check out, 
www.calwatercrisis.org in which they make their case for why we need to take more Northern California water and move it south into the Western San Joaquin Valley and into Southern California. Um, I should point out one thing. There was an editorial in the Los Angeles Times yesterday. For those of you who have internet access, you can go online to look at the Times. And they had an editorial about, um, here we are at the end of a summer of a drought year. One of the, I think it's the worst uh, drought year in Southern California history. And uh, the editorial points out that uh, in the last 20 years, Los Angeles, of course, has grown in population tremendously. But you might be surprised to learn that according to the Times editorial, Los Angeles's water usage in the last 20 years has not increased at all. We don't need to build a dam for the people in Los Angeles because they keep getting better and better at conserving. And uh, ironically, Los Angeles should be a good role model for the rest of the state. Uh, if we can eliminate the need for big new dams and multi-billion dollar proposals uh, by conserving, shouldn't we do that first? It's a question worth pondering. Of course, the other highly controversial issue now that it's getting a great deal of attention is the construction of a so-called peripheral canal uh, that would take Northern California water around the delta in a, in a canal to be pumped south into the western San Joaquin Valley and into Southern California. This would protect that water from the impurities that exist in the delta due to agricultural runoff, industrial runoff, uh, municipal pollution, etc. And uh, in the event of earthquakes that would destroy the levee system in the delta, this would ensure that Northern California water would continue to flow south. There are many arguments made in favor of a peripheral canal. There are also a great number of folks who believe if Northern California can, I mean, if Southern California, excuse me, can get that water directly from the Northern California rivers without going through the Delta, then the problems currently facing the Delta will be ignored and the Delta will continue to decline. So the peripheral canal issue, if it gets on the ballot in the coming year, will uh, trigger a huge battle, although ACWA, as the Association of California Water Agencies is known, is going to do its best to convince the public that we absolutely need a peripheral canal. And I noticed that the uh, Los Angeles Times editorial of yesterday said careful consideration of proposals to re-engineer the Delta should be one part of the latest attempt to solve California's problems. Now, if you'll notice, the infamous P word, peripheral canal, is not used by the promoters of a new peripheral canal. In the case of the Times, they described it as re-engineering the Delta. So we will keep our eye on that very carefully. Uh, I also want to point out uh, one of the finest pieces of journalism I've seen in a long time. It was written by Michael Fitzgerald a few days ago. He's a columnist for the Stockton Record newspaper. Now, you get one view of reality if you live in the San Joaquin Valley, be it Bakersfield or Fresno or Visalia or Tulare or Hanford or Merced. 
about uh, how desperately we need this Northern California water here because our agriculture will be destroyed in the valley. But you rarely, if ever, get the view from the people in Northern California or the people in the Delta who see these water moving proposals in an entirely different light than the San Joaquin Valley does. Uh, and what Mr. Fitzgerald writes about in the Stockton record, and I believe that you can go to their website and type in his name and uh, get his column. It was from September 9th. It's called Pollution Law, Soft on Ag Industry. And what it's about is the waiver system that we have in place for agricultural runoff from the fields, both subsurface drainage and surface wastewater from agricultural operations and irrigation uh, flows into the lower San Joaquin River and is probably the primary source of pollution in the river. Now what they did a few years ago in 2003, the State Water Board and the Regional Water Board adopted a voluntary system in which farmers uh, could form coalitions to monitor and reduce their pollution. Uh, there was strong environmental opposition to this proposal and whether or not you could actually ask the polluters to police themselves, but the State Water Board, which uh, almost always bends to the will of agribusiness, said they should try this. Now it turns out that the State Division of Water Quality within the State Water Board uh, analyzed the claims that uh, the regime of uh, polluters coalitions was a sham and they have agreed that this, mon uh, this voluntary system that we have now is not working. In a recent report, which by the way was not reported by any other news media in the state that I'm aware of, the uh, Division of Water Quality Scientists, these are the state's own experts, found these things. Farmers continued to pollute freely most coalitions of polluters aren't obeying the law. The Valley Division of the State Board, that's the Regional Water Board, they are not enforcing key aspects of the law, nor do they monitor these coalitions to see what the level of pollution is. The waiver system does not ensure individual farms will pollute less. The waivers are not protecting groundwater. Uh, the first ag waiver system uh, came about right about the time that the drainage water pollution at Kesterson came in the news in the early 1980s. And from 1982 to 2003, we had a 21-year waiver for agricultural runoff. Uh, there was no reduction at all in the first 20 years of this waiver program. In 2003, they decided to try this coalition of growers in, let's say, individual irrigation districts and that's not working either. Now Fitzgerald throws some pretty hard punches in this column and I highly recommend that you uh, go to the Stockton Record website and read it for yourself. Here's another article from the San Francisco Chronicle editorial page from a couple of weeks ago. It was written by Laurel Firestone and Amy Vanderwarker Laurel is the co-director of the Community Water Center based in Visalia, and Amy Vanderwarker is the outreach coordinator for the Environmental Justice for Water, I'm sorry, Environmental Justice Coalition for Water, which is based in Oakland. Um, and they wrote about 
while the governor and certain elements in California's water community want to build big dams and big storage, uh, Miss Firestone and Miss Vanderwalker are pointing out that we need to pay attention to our polluted groundwater and drinking water supplies that we have now. We're ignoring them. According to the State Department of Public Health, public drinking water systems deliver water with unsafe level of contaminants to approximately one million people in California. The vast majority of this tainted water flows to the Central Valley. Little known towns like Monterey Park Tract, Mendota, Parlier, East Erosi, Cutler and Alpa, where residents can't fill a glass of tap water without fear of getting some disease or other health problems. These are some of the poorest parts of the state where the median income is around $18,000. But these same poverty-stricken communities uh, many times are farm worker uh, um, communities. They pay some of the highest water rates in California. Two to six percent of their household income for undrinkable water. Now, uh, Ms. Firestone and Ms. Vanderworker point out that in 2004 alone, thousands of Central Valley, tens of thousands of Central Valley residents received a bright orange notice from their public drinking water systems saying that their water was not safe to drink and exceeded contaminant levels. Many Central Valley residents drive 30 to 50 miles each week just to buy bottled water that they think will be safer for them. More than 90% of communities in the San Joaquin Valley depend upon water stored underground for their drinking water. Unfortunately, decades of pesticide use and uh, leakage of storage ta underground storage tanks, everything from gasoline to uh, other types of fuel to dry cleaning solvents uh, has poisoned much of the groundwater in the San Joaquin Valley. Recent groundwater sampling in Tulare County, for example, found that three out of four homes with private wells have contaminated water that is unsafe to drink. If you would like to read this uh, op-ed piece uh, that ran in the Chronicle, you can go to sfgate.com and uh, look up uh, Laurel, L-A-U-R-E-L, Firestone, and it'll bring it up. Now, getting back to truth and lies about dams and canals, our governor has been going around the state. He's been to Fresno uh, recently, and he's going all over the state saying that no dams or water f storage facilities have been constructed in California for the past 20 or 30 years. Dan Bacher, who writes a column for a website called fishsniffer.com, says that the governor is lying and that he should know or does know that he's lying uh, because the fact of the matter is within the last 20 years, we built several dams in California. For example, in the mid-90s, we built the Los Vaqueros Dam near Livermore for the Contra Costa County Water District, which has a capacity of 100,000 acre feet and is set for expansion in the future. In Southern California, Metropolitan Water District built the Diamond Valley Reservoir, which was finished in 2003. It's an 800,000 acre foot lake. It's the largest ever reservoir constructed in Southern California. 
there are, the Bureau of Reclamation also built a dam called the San Justo Reservoir, uh, which was built in the late 1980s and takes water from the that's pumped from the San Luis Reservoir. So if the governor is stating that the California Department of Water Resources has, hasn't built a dam in the last 30 years, he may be correct. But he's trying to create the impression that there's been no water storage activity going on in the state for the last two or three decades, and he's clearly incorrect. There also have been a number of groundwater storage facilities constructed in the state over the last two decades, a very successful groundwater banking program in Kern County, and we have a proposed groundwater banking program in Madera County. Uh, uh, both those facilities will hold much more water than these big multi-billion dollar dams that are proposed uh, on rivers. So we'll keep an eye on that. Now I want to return to Judge uh, Wanger's decision of a couple weeks ago because it prompted an immediate response from uh, certain segments of the legislature and uh, agribusiness, and particularly the Farm Bureau, and there have been cries of panic and catastrophe. For example, Stephen Patricio, who's chairman of Western Growers and president of Westside Produce and Firebaugh, said that, quote, the Wanger decision is the most devastating thing I've seen or heard about he says, unless something monumental happens, I don't know if the West Side will survive within the next two or three years. Now remember, even if you assume the doomsday scenario on the Wanger decision, which is that water supplies would be cut back by a third, that still leaves two-thirds of the West Side getting its water supply. So why the entire West Side would collapse within two to three years, I'm not quite sure. But nevertheless, that's the argument. In the Fresno B, about a week ago, uh, Assemblyman Mike Valines of Fresno, and I note that Valines rhymes with Malines, wrote a column attacking Judge Wanger as being irresponsible and claiming that his decision would have a very damaging impact on Valley agriculture. Uh, by the way, I note here, I'm reading verbatim now from Valine's column. He says, the responsible step is to build more water storage because the state hasn't built a dam in the past 40 years. Well, I see now that he makes reference to the state not building a dam. But, of course, that's totally misleading because, as I just mentioned, local water districts have paid for and constructed storage reservoirs, uh, both in the Barrier area and Southern California, and they didn't make all the rest of California taxpayers pay for their own local projects. Uh, Valine's column, uh, although he, goes, he attacks the judge numerous times, he goes on to make the standard pitch for uh, more storage construction in California uh, I, he probably makes a pitch for the peripheral canal in here. Let's see. Building more water storage is a critical step that must be, taking, must be taken soon if we are to avoid having to resort to rationing or more delta pump shutdowns. Now, State Senate Majority Leader Don Parada said recently 
that he was not in favor of these big dam building projects, but in the wake of the uh, federal court ruling that may reduce pumping, Parada has now said that he will be willing to look, to look at these uh, dam construction proposals. I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about a story that's in the news. We've all heard about Darfur and the terrible crisis in Africa. In the Sudan, there is another looming crisis in the Sudan that may trigger another disaster in other parts. Uh, the northern portion of Sudan is in Nubia, and of course Sudan is located just below Egypt, and Sudan uh, is at the headwaters of the Nile River. There are proposals now to build more dams on the upper uh, reaches of the Nile River, and a recent report by the United Nations Environmental Program noted that Sudan's existing dams suffer from declining performance because they are clogged with silt, which has proved difficult to remove. Water loss as a result of the high evaporation rates in the desert heat is another problem. Meanwhile, downstream from the dams, farm production has fallen because the soil is no longer enriched by silt. It is a similar story at the high Aswan Dam in Egypt where the lake created by the dam is filling with silt much faster than anticipated and downstream farmers are resorting to artificial fertilizers for the first time. There, are These three new dams are being proposed and Nubians argue that the new dams are not intended to provide an electrician are not intended to provide electricity and irrigation but to rescue the Aswan Dam by capturing silt before it reaches Egypt. Uh, one uh, opponent of these dam projects said, these dams don't look at all like development. It's clearly part of a program scheme between Egypt and Sudan. For decades, Nubians have lived in relative isolation, shunning politics and priding themselves on self-sufficiency. Some years, the region found itself entirely left out of the federal budget of Sudan, which is evident from the lack of paved roads and electricity. And now there is fear that uh, rebellion and revolt and uh, more of the kinds of activity that led to Darfur will break out in Egypt because of that. Okay, we're just about out of time already. Uh, I need to mention that the uh, I've been giving you an ongoing report on the Westlands Water District water contract renewals uh, and of course there are, Senator Dianne Feinstein is attempting to help the Westlands both secure a long-term water supply uh, which is could be worth as much as 20 billion dollars for a few hundred farmers over the next 60 years and to solve its drainage problems uh, and of, of course we have about 300,000 acres of land on the west side of the San Joaquin Valley that is high in selenium. The soils have a lot of selenium in it, and when you irrigate those soils, that selenium goes into solution, moves downstream, and can get into the food chain and cause wildlife poisoning, as we learned at the Kesterson National Wildlife Refuge 20 years ago. Now, the Westlands actually has two things going. One is their negotiating a 26-month uh, interim 
water delivery contract with the Bureau of Reclamation, which has received virtually no press coverage despite the enormous value of this contract. In, in those contract negotiations with the Bureau of Reclamation, Westlands is actually asking for over a million acre-feet of water, which would supply the annual needs of two cities the size of Los Angeles for a few hundred growers. Um, on the other hand, if they should work out a what they call a global settlement uh, uh, with Feinstein, Feinstein would then introduce legislation in Congress uh, which would both provide the Westlands with a long-term water delivery contract despite their drainage problems, and Westlands would agree to take over attempting to solve the drainage problem from the Bureau of Reclamation. Although I'm now given to understand that if the Westlands cannot solve its drainage problem, and it has been, and the federal government and the Westlands Water District have been unable to solve the drainage problem for a half a century, well then the federal government might still be caught holding the bag and uh, all of the lands that have been poisoned by selenium or salted up because of the inability to drain off all of the salts from that farmland. The federal taxpayers might have to buy that land back and uh, the Westlands would get to keep the fresh irrigation water coming in from the Delta and could either farm the remaining soils or sell some of that water off um, to urban interest, including the Metropolitan Water District of Southern California, which is the primary wholesaler of water in Southern California. Okay, in our last couple of remaining minutes, I want to talk about our top 10 urban farmers in America. We like to think of farmers as wearing overalls and out living on the farm. Uh, but in fact, the uh, farmers who reap the biggest federal crops uh, live in the city. And here is a list. This was provided by the Heritage Foundation, which is a conservative think tank uh, and which has a website, uh, heritage.org. And they have written extensively on how farm subsidies are not helping the family farmer, but go to corporations and wealthy individuals in cities who frequently invest in what they call custom farming operations in, only, in order to qualify. Let me go through the list of the top ten urban farmers in America very quickly. Number one is a gentleman from Memphis, Tennessee, Lee Weiner, W-I-E-N-E-R, who generated $1.2 million. This was in 2005. Uh, number two and number three were brother and sister, Constant Bowles and George Bowles, who both live in San Francisco. Constant Bowles got $1.2 million, and George Bowles, who has since deceased, got $1.19 million. Uh, the Bowles family farm is a operation of several thousand acres over near Los Banos. Number four on the list was Bailey Weiner, also of Memphis, Tennessee. Lee Weiner and Bailey Weiner are obviously related. Bailey got just under a million dollars. Number five on the urban farmer subsidy list is Michael Brooks of Phoenix at $787,000. 
and then his number six is Ryland Brooks, who got the exact amount. Michael and Ryland or Brooks are both either father and son, I suspect, or, or brothers. Number seven on the list was Catherine Irma Brooks Mitchell. She's got to be the sister. She also got $787,305, one dollar less than her brothers. Number eight is Brad Ashburn from Fort Worth, Texas. He got $770,000 in subsidies. Number nine was Tommy Trabu. He got $770,000. He's from Nashville. And number 10 was Elizabeth Owen of Memphis, Tennessee. She got three quarters of a million dollars in farm subsidy money. Uh, according to the Heritage Foundation, a total of 55, quote, so-called farmers in America cashed federal crop subsidy checks worth more than a million dollars each between 2003 and 2005. Uh, the Heritage Foundation says if Washington really wants to help struggling farmers, it would be far cheaper to just hand every full-time farmer $40,000 a year. I'm sure there are plenty of small family farmers in the San Joaquin Valley who would like a $40,000 check coming in every year because most of our good, hardworking farmers in the San Joaquin Valley do not get subsidies from the federal government. You've been listening to Down in the Valley with Lloyd Carter. I air on the second Friday of each month. Mark your calendars. We'll see you again next month. Thanks for listening.